This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 KYNO. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. And this hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors and the over 4,000 members that we have here in the local area. And our goal is to give you the local news, the local stats, so that you know what's happening here. It may be uh, warm and sunny here, and it may be cold and rainy back in Georgia. So, um, you know, real estate is like the weather. It's what's local that matters. And to help me with that today, uh, we have Kyle Cheney. Good morning, Kyle. Good morning, Don. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. I, I told you we'd get you back after, it's, I think it's been a couple of years um, since the last time you were on. And yeah, you, that, I'm glad you had me back because that, that was a tough one, right? That's right. Yeah. But the ratings have finally recovered. Yep. So, <laughs> so we're, we're going to do all right, Kyle. Uh, Kyle is the manager, branch manager for Guarantee Real Estate of three different offices. Yes. Clovis. Which ones? Clovis, Prather, and Shaver. I, I manage those and, and the fine agents there. All right. Uh, how, how many agents do you manage? You know, altogether, it's roughly 90, 95, right around there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that ought to keep you up Very at, busy. Up Very at busy. Night. <laughs> up at night, busy, and, you know, in a lot of um, their transactions helping around and really kind of paying attention to what the market's doing. So it's a, it's a really good feel. Yeah. It, and so that means you know a thing or two I, about I, what we're going to talk about today. So it, And I'm actually excited about this today because it's like, okay, we're going to dive into what's the what's happening in the market right now because yeah. we've seen uh, some dramatic shifts in, in just the last year. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting. We're seeing dramatic shifts. You know, everybody kind of knows from a year ago, the at least from the media's perspective, uh, like a doom and gloom. But when you really look into our numbers locally, it really wasn't that bad when you compare it. Like it was a, a slowdown from what it felt like. But when you really look at see what was happening, the market just tap the brakes. And right now the foot's off and people are starting to press the accelerator again. And it's not necessarily what's out kind of on the media, but truthfully, the agents that are helping people find and buy homes and kind of help them with their family dreams, they're feeling it and they're, they're hustling right now. Yeah. Having to hustle. Yes. So in, in for once, um, our market is moving, going back and forth to where the media isn't really keeping up. Yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting feel. I mean, it's to be truthful, what's happening is there's less homes for sale when you compare it to a year ago, but the homes that are on the market now are selling at just as fast a pace as they were a year ago. So, when you put that into perspective, if you're a buyer and you're looking for that home that that home that you love, we're back in multiple offer situations and being very competitive, not necessarily always having to be above the list price, but the terms of what the seller is looking for, what the buyer is looking for. There's a little bit more negotiation than there was maybe 18 months ago, but the aspect of, hey, I'm going to be able to go write an offer, get the home I want, and not worry about dealing with another comp- uh, competition, uh, that's just not accurate. And I kind of want to go back to the local thing. Yeah. Because, uh, and give me your commentary on this one. I was speaking with a buddy of mine who sells real estate up in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And last year he was saying, oh, man, I, I lost out on one where we went $500,000 over the asking price. Oh, wow. 
yeah, so gee, what was the asking price? Well, it was seven and a half million. We went a, a hair over eight, eight hundred, <laughs> eight million, and they lost. They didn't even get it. Wow. Now, here in Fresno, I told them, you know, cut that to ten percent. I I rarely ever hear of one, even during the high high times, going fifty thousand over. No, we would see. You know, you might see it or something close to that. You know, twenty five, thirty. That was taking place for sure. But really, on the the averages, what you were really seeing as a manager, I'm you know looking over hundred to hundred and fifty contracts that come through, reviewing those. You know, eight maybe nine thousand dollars. But all of that was relative to the price point. A two hundred and fifty thousand dollar home was maybe selling for two sixty, two sixty five. A four hundred thousand dollar home was going a little bit four ten, four twelve, maybe four fifteen on a perfect property in the right location and everything was there maybe it was going for 425 so yeah there was some stuff there that has kind of tapered back to for instance a four hundred thousand dollar home might be getting offers right at the list price or if it is that you know kind of that cream puff the perfect home that everybody wants maybe we're seeing offers for 10 405 right around kind of like that so there is a direct competition Mm -hmm. Um, but all in all what's really driving it is just a a reduction in inventory okay we're talking numbers you know going ten thousand dollars over fifteen thousand dollars over but that's not all a seller looks at no there, so there are what are the other things the other things that typically sellers are looking for would be how long is the escrow going to be um, a lot of times in our marketplace right now the seller it's contingent for them they have to go find another home and if they're not leaving the state or the area they have to kind of shop in our general area where there's a reduction of inventory so they're in that same buyer pool so they're kind of uh so what happens is they may ask can i stay in the property until close of escrow on my next one if the seller's not or excuse me if the buyer's not in the position position to do that sometimes the price really doesn't matter how much they're offering what the seller needs is what the seller needs and there's that kind of dance for instance in that thing where good agents are talking to each other trying to find out what's best for each party and negotiating those terms so it's not always price ah yeah sometimes it's the other two major factors of win-win negotiating Mm -hmm. called time and terms correct time and terms typically um in my experience when terms are important to the seller price is the last of their importance they're more worried about how long is it going to take and what are the other terms and yeah price has to be in the ballpark they're not going to just give something away but they are more worried about those terms and the price when the seller's in a different position where, hey, we, we've already moved, we've already purchased our home. At that time, sometimes price is a little more um, indicative of what they're, how they're weighing those three options. You touched on something that's probably really important too, and that is communication between the negotiating agents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, you're, the agents are negotiating on behalf of their clients. So this is with the blessing of their client. But um, how important is that? To be honest, that can make or break deals, but people don't understand how to communicate. So we all know that. If you, Some people do better when they're better communicators. But we have a really um, unique position as realtors. Uh, our, most of the real estate agents in our area are realtors, which they can abide by a code of ethics. So with that in place, the conversations and what's taking place are are usually very very beneficial to both parties and everybody's trying to accomplish the goal of selling the property with their client's best interest in mind all right so and i think 
if a buyer's agent can effectively communicate to the seller's agents the strength of their 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 client yeah and um hey here, here they're pre-approved by this local lender here go ahead and call the lender yes you know you, you get that reassurance that yeah they're they've got their documentation in it's been reviewed mm -hmm. maybe even underwritten yeah so there there are different aspects again we're kind of getting back into the loans and the terms which are really important um good as we'll say listing agents the person representing the seller and then good buyer's agents representing the buyer they typically have very good teams they surround themselves with so on the buyer side that agent has typically has a local lender and if it's out of the area lender that really works well with how they communicate so they make sure that the when they write an offer that the lender is making the phone call to the seller's listing agent saying hey i i see that we placed an offer here's their situation for this buyer to your point maybe they're underwritten and what underwritten means is that lender has looked at all of the documentation you know if they're requiring these four points those four points have been turned in they've looked at it and the lender who's important to gather that information has another party that you'll hear this term called the underwriter who looks at it from a kind of like a liability or risk perspective and they go through and say as long as these three things take place meaning there's an address i know the price it's appraised and you have insurance you can close escrow they call that fully underwritten um, so they'll, they'll do that. And then as you get closer through the escrow process, you'll, there's another term that people may have heard clear to close, which is that same idea, meaning all of those items have been satisfied. So how that communication works is super important and it makes a transaction for our clients, the buyers and sellers much smoother when we're doing that. The joke I have with the lenders I know is if we were at clear to close, how come you needed one more document? <laughs> <laughs> it happens. <laughs> It always seems like there's one more. Yep, yep. Um, all right, so local statistics are really important. And now, um, just this morning, yeah, I pulled up active listings in Fresno and Clovis. Okay. And, and now, these numbers may be different than something else you've heard because maybe they did Fresno County right. or the Central Valley or California. But this is Fresno and Clovis there was only 444 active listings. And you know what's really interesting about that? When you start, as, as agents, we can really kind of dive down and look into that. The active listings and what we would call um, the most active price points in our area, 250 to 425 is the most active. There's less than that, obviously. That's from $0 to 20 million, whatever our most expensive listing is, right? So. Yeah. Um, another term that relates to that, you'll hear people talk about um, months of inventory, that supply. Right now, based off of closed sales, which means if, if no new homes came to the market and we kept selling at the same point, pace, in one month, there those 444 homes would all be gone. So we are moving at a really, really fast pace. You, you said zero to, to whatever. Yeah. It, here's the high and the low. Okay. The low is 32300 That's an active listing wow. right now. Probably a mobile home. Probably, right? Yeah. Um, the, the highest one is $9.5 And there's everything in between. And you know what's amazing? When you put that into perspective, Fresno and Clovis, the metro area is, what, just shy of 725,000 people? and there's only 444 homes to for sale, that, that indicates to us that it's a very tight market 
and it's probably what we would say it's a seller's market. The sellers still have a little more um, negotiating power from time to time. Now, here's another interesting statistic on that. There's actually 1,200 listings out, out there right now, yeah. but 750 of them are already in escrow. Mm-hmm. So, again, that kind of goes back to that idea of um, which, which part of the market are we talking about? You know, the upper end, which generally speaking, we would, you know, it kind of varies, but most people would say 700,000 plus, or somebody might say 600,000 plus. But in our marketplace, that would be kind of the upper end. There's a little bit more inventory there, but not substantial. Um, it's at 2.6 worth, or excuse me, 1.8 months of um, inventory based off of pendings. That one you're talking about, things that are in escrow. So at that pace, in two months, even that supply would be gone. Uh, at the height, like when it when the market really sold, uh, excuse me, slowed down, which would have been in December of 2022, we were at 9.8. So in three months, we've gone from 9.8 months of inventory down to 1.8 months. So that's a that's a pretty big jump and an indication that the market is picked up and moving fast, despite what we might be hearing in you know the national media. Yeah, yeah, and I think the national media is still focused on New Jersey. Right. You know, they're, you know, and I hate to say it a lot of times, you know, they're, they're looking for an article that grabs headlines because sometimes you read the headline and you start reading the article. It's not really, there's maybe a sense about that, about one little particular place. And they start talking about the rest of it as, Hey, the market's still doing pretty good in these other places. Here's the top five places, top 10 places. You see those types of articles or the worst place. And when they start comparing it, you're like, Oh, it's really not that bad. That, but it got my attention to open the article. So if you're not reading all those in detail, you might just see the headlines and go, ooh, things aren't as good as I thought they were. Okay, here's a thought for you to keep while we go to commercial break. It's a home. Make it a home. It's not about these numbers. Absolutely. I mean, and uh, it, it might be a little more difficult to, to get one, but it's still a home. Yes. And with that, we're going to be coming right back to Welcome Home Radio 940 KYNO. And I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free and I won't forget the men who died who gave that right to well, welcome me. back and welcome home radio Don Scordino your host and here in the studio we have Kyle Cheney Kyle is a branch manager for guarantee real estate and um, we're talking stats we're talking the local market um, what do you know about Michigan you know it's a it's a great place if you like the Wolverines about all I know all right <laughs> all right so these, the Spartans these people that write articles about Mi Michigan real estate uh, maybe they don't know much about Fresno real estate I wouldn't think so we're not selling too many homes for four thousand dollars or eight thousand dollars so I don't think they know much about our our locale that's right um all right, so I'm going to throw some stats at you. Okay. And I would just like your commentary. So <clears throat> this year, let's see, the median sale price for the first four months of this year. Okay. So that goes into January when things were slower. Yeah. It even takes in April, although, you know, April's not a complete month yet. Right. Um, a lot of the sales that got recorded on the last recording day of April, which was yesterday, won't be input until Monday or Tuesday. Yep. So this isn't complete, but 
395,000 is okay. that median sold price. You go back to um, the same time period in 2022 and it was 405,000. Right. So it is down, prices are down a little bit. Yeah, and the way that I, when I'm talking and trying to interpret that, those that stats and what it means to people trying to buy and sell a home, uh, when you really kind of dive into that, the last 18 months prior, for our marketplace at least, we sold a lot more properties in the upper price range. So as, as averages and medians move, and a lot of people, if they don't remember, any, uh, either, whether it was junior high or high school, the median is half of the homes sold beneath this price and half of the homes sold above. Well, if you have more homes selling on the upper end, it kind of drags itself up. We, As we talked here, December of last year, we had a 9.8 month supply of inventory that kind of slowed down. Those same stats now we're at 1.8, which also means we're gonna start to see that kind of trickle back up to 400,000. So my guess is after these last couple of closings, we'll be at 395, we might be at 397, which yes is lower, but it is still within the, you know, you like to hear when it's during uh, November, the, the, error, uh, the margin of error. We are still basically the same as we were about 18 months ago. It'll be interesting to do stats, let's say, in June, because by June of last year, things had slowed down. Right. I think June of this year, it's picking back up. So uh, it is. I, I, you know, you're right. I, I, I come back in June. We could talk because it is a really unique thing what's happening in our marketplace. It's in my you know, 18 years. It's the first time in my career where it's this market has shifted drastically so fast in such a short amount of time. So usually when you when the market changes, it stays that way for a year, maybe two years. And this time it's one month this, one month that, it's going back and forth. And a lot of that again goes back to a lot of people thinking about maybe selling, maybe not. And one of the reasons I you know we were talking off air that people are maybe hesitant. They're like, well if I sell my home, I don't know where I can go buy one. So there there are ways to really help people through that and navigate that process to make it like, hey, you can still get the home you want, whether you're upsizing, downsizing, whatever that situation may be, but you're gonna need a little bit of guidance. It's not the same old days where it was, write an offer and go find that vacant home and move right in. That's what I wanna hear from you now. How does a person, a family, sell a home and buy a home in the same market? You know, it, it is challenging but it is more than doable. A lot of our sales, I mean, I, there's not really an easy way for us to kind of dive into that, but I would guess 40, maybe even 45% of the transactions that are taking place in our marketplace are very similar to that. Somebody selling their home and then going to buy, because they need that equity that they've captured in these last four or five years when you know they've built up a lot to get into the new home that they're looking for. So one of the ways they're able to do that is we have contingent offers. And the way that we've designed that and your realtors can help you go through that process is just understand that we'll make sure that you're not homeless. We will help you sell a home contingent upon the close of escrow of your new home. Does it make it a little more nerve wracking sometimes? Cause there's a little more dominoes in effect right now. So whose agents are, be, as we talked in that first segment, people are really having to communicate well. So based off of, um, are negotiating, understand what people are wanting for, and then creating offers that are contingent upon certain um, milestones that have to take place. Once that happens, it can be done, and it's it happens enough to where it is just the way our market is working now. 
So you need to make sure you have somebody that understands how that takes place. I think it goes back to several markets ago where there were really somebody who needed to, uh, who wanted to move from one home to another, they had three options. They could do the contingency sale, mm -hmm. like you're talking about, then, or you could sell one first, right? Uh, and then buy one, move into an interim home, right? Or the Holiday Inn Express. Yep, yep. For a short time. And, and that's, that'll motivate you to, to absolutely go fast. Um, or you can buy first, own two homes for a while. Absolutely. And, and, and then sell the other one. There, there, so it's, what's important for people to realize there are multiple ways to do this, just like you did um, explain. And as the market shifts and changes, sometimes what we, what we see is one, one style becomes a little more prevalent right now. It's a contingent offer seems to be a little more prevalent. That's not always from a seller's perspective, their favorite to see, but sometimes that seller's in the same position as that buyer. So they, you understand, and everybody's trying to get someplace. So you're able to do it. What I think has changed then from previous markets is right now, there's not as, again, we, you'll hear a lot of people talk about the inventory. So the buyer, or excuse me, the seller, the reason they're kind of sitting at home and choosing not to sell. My experience has been this. Husbands, wives, families, whoever, when they're looking, they see something that catches their eye. Go, oh, that'd be a nice place. And a couple months later, they all of a sudden they're looking and now they're serious about selling their home. They're not seeing enough of that. So they just kind of sit back and then the people moving in, there's not there. So there's this weird, again, dance of trying to find what starts the process is usually you just drive by or your neighbor puts their home up for sale. And you're like, oh, I wish our kids could move into our neighborhood. Well, they've got a home. So then you're planning that out to, can they move in with us? Like you say, have an interim home because they sold. There's lots of moving parts, but having somebody that can guide you through, it's really what's important and understanding that it can happen. Yeah, and it's a little contrary to how we've society has become um, addicted to some app yeah. that finds homes for you. Right. So one pops up and it's like, oh, that would be a good one to go mm -hmm. to. But you haven't started the process of buy first, sell first, or contingency. Right, and there's, and there are people in our market meeting agents that know how to find. You'll, you'll hear this term off market, and it's not to sell it off market, <coughs> but they they've got somebody like you, Don, has been in the business for a long time. You've got relationships with your past clients. You could just kind of know casually. Maybe somebody's thinking about selling, but they haven't really committed. And you have a buyer. You might call and say, hey. I've got somebody that would really love to move in your neighborhood. Are you still thinking about retiring somewhere else? And they say yes. To me, that's an offer. And that's the, the understanding of having a really good realtor that can help you, guide you through it. Because sometimes that works without any of the things we've talked about. They sell their home or they're a first-time home buyer. Get them in through their process. I have this. You let your seller know it's probably best if we put it on the market. They do. But then you're in a position where that seller who was going to wait kind of got spurred because you had somebody that may have wanted that home and really did want that home. And that person may get it, may not, but on the same token, that seller is in a position now to actually accomplish his dreams they were kind of putting on hold. Yeah, so the, and an important word you said in there was realtor. I know of a situation where somebody did this between coworkers, mm. no realtor involved. Uh, they ended up with the potential buyer in, occupying the home unable to purchase it and close the escrow Oof. and didn't want to move now 
they wanted more time and yet the seller saying i've got to sell that home yeah you know and within our state the way the the tenancy laws work that's that's a really that's not a beneficial place for the seller to be in so uh to your point uh in, in my experience realtors or maybe an attorney knows how to guide somebody through that the best because sometimes you feel like hey i can do this with it our contracts the way they're written help kind of some fail safe options in there so that people understand what's taking place and they get to make decisions and say hey if this isn't going to work then we're going to cancel this and to your point they might still be in contract technically because there was no end date there was no mechanisms within the contract that indicate who's performing or not without spending a lot of extra money talking to the those attorneys out there to kind of guide you through this so this idea of being able to do it smoothly it happens people can but when it goes bad it's nowhere where you want to be yeah and one thing that are the forms that we use really account for is a lot of the what ifs right and those are the ones that we actually get a lot of questions about and we're like hey don't worry about that but those what ifs are taken care of um, does it cover every situation no does it cover 98 of them yep out of 198 of those things are covered and you're able to make the right decision based off of your own individual circumstances all right well stay tuned to welcome home radio we're going to have more of this when we get back from our next commercial break so we'll be back i'm proud of the house we built it's stronger than sticks, stones, and steel. It's not a big place sitting up high on Welcome back. Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And we're privileged today to have Kyle Cheney here in the studio with us, manager for Guarantee Real Estate. And um, also, here's a personal question. You sure. recently ran for Clovis City Council. What would make you want to do something like that? You know, um, to truly be honest, my, my involvement with the Fresno Association of Realtors and the leadership aspect uh, kind of reminded me a lot of the things I did in high school and college. That that was fun. I was at a, a point, or I'm at a point in my life, I should say, where my I've got three daughters. My last one is a junior in high school. So I felt like I, I had the opportunity to give back and focus um, the, those time because my I'm happy where my family is. So I wanted to get back, and a lot of it is, um, well, not a lot, all of it's related to housing and how that affects our community as you mentioned a couple when housing is one thing but there's homes and what what it means to people and that was super important to me and making sure that i understood and was a part of you know the, the broad term land use policies and zoning what does that mean for and, and where i live particularly was clovis how does that work and how can we make sure that that more people to the best of our ability have the option to, to live in a home and here's what's ironic, and it shows what a small community we live in. Last week's guest, Shannon Chafin, mm -hmm. uh, is a land use attorney. And the way that I met Kyle Cheney here is Kyle sold that listing of mine years ago. Yeah. And um, then, and it was such a, you were, I hate to say this, Kyle, but you did pretty good on the whole thing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you communicated. We closed the escrow. I think both parties were very happy. Very. Um, and so I stopped in and at your office and said, you ever think about running for leadership at yeah. the Association of Realtors? You did. And it was one of, I was like, you know, and I thought about it and had the opportunity. And I got on, if I remember right, it was the MLS committee. So in going from there and. MLS, if you're not familiar with the multiple listing service, it's really the gold standard of um, 
what properties are actually for sale in the market. Um, all those other third-party sites that are really nice, have a lot of marketing money, they get 99% of their information from our multiple listing service. You know, there are some things that maybe owners can put in themselves, but generally speaking, I would venture to say 99% of the information comes from our multiple listing service. So um, being on that committee, understanding how that works, uh, not just from a practitioner standpoint, from, but from a leadership standpoint and an industry standpoint, uh, was kind of the catalyst for me to get getting myself back involved and giving back to the community. Mm -hmm. and, and now this was not a setup, but it just made me think the Chaffins, uh, that family who was selling that home out yeah. there in Madera yep. Ranchos, they did. They were doing what we talked about. They they um, they bought a new home first, right? Then sold later, and. Um, uh, so they follow that philosophy of how do you make a move right in this market and what's interesting so when we talk about the different options um i would say most realtors or people in real estate will say the strongest position for a buyer in this case would be to sell your property first have the monies you need so that you can then go purchase the next one it's not the only option and then like i said before some markets kind of dictate what becomes more prevalent. But if you're in that position in a market like today, on that flip side, that seller is more concerned. There's less little moving parts. So they're like, oh, they can just move in. They can just do this. They don't have to wait for this or wait for that. They can just move in this particular buyer. So when we talk about terms and price, it typically, not all the time, but typically puts that buyer in a, they're looked upon as a stronger position. Um, it doesn't mean that a buyer that has to sell their home before they can buy this, that they're not going to get a home. And like we've talked about, our forms kind of really protect both parties so nobody's going to feel homeless, any of that, or they'll make the proper decision to move in in another home. But all in all, um, to your point, that was a really smooth transaction because both parties didn't feel any undue pressure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That one worked out well. Um, it, and here is a funny one. I had another client a couple of years ago. They followed the philosophy of we'll sell first because we could move in with the, uh, the in-laws. Yeah. And, um, uh, th and then we'll start looking. Well, they were always busy. And you know, we sold their home. Yeah. They moved in with the in-laws in the first month. It was like, well, yeah, we're, we're going to the coast this weekend. We're, we can't look this weekend. Next thing you know, it's like they stepped it up. It's like, can we go looking like two or three times a week? Because uh, yeah, your phone was ringing a lot. Like, hey, we gotta yeah. go see, check this stuff out. They you were became motivated. Out. I yeah. said, what happened? <laughs> they go, well, you don't want to hear about my mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So uh, it, th that's what makes this job fun. It, it is the is to hear the stories and work with people. It's the stories. It's working with people, and it's you know when you're. It, it, what you normally hear is the first time home buyer. Those, it's just as rewarding when you get to see a family move into the home that they want because they, maybe it was a starter home and now they've they've got two kids when they had zero kids and their, the, the their little kids' faces light up or, they always wanted to live in, downtown Fresno or Old Town Clovis and they find that home and it comes up and they, being a part of that is so special and I'm sure other industry have it, but I can't think of one. It is so rewarding to really be able to help people make this decision or not make the decision, help them through the process. Our clients make the decisions. They own their decisions, but we help them with the process. And it is, again, other than say maybe teaching, I don't know of a more rewarding job. 
Um, I don't know. A lot of my teachers didn't think things were rewarding. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, uh, if you were the student, I, I understand. Probably, my teachers probably felt the same way as your teachers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to throw out an interesting statistic, and I would love to get your commentary on it because this is one of those eye-openers. When I gave you the difference in prices, it wasn't really big, you know, $395, $405. But here, this is a big one. So this year, for the first four months Mm -hmm. in in the city of Fresno and Clovis, just over 1,500 sales. Okay. Um, Last year... At the same time period, 2,180. That seems significant. Somebody might say, well, gee, the market is crashing because uh, so few sales. You know, and and that's maybe some of that national media stuff comes in and sees stuff. And at face value, the idea that it's less or we're behind, it's accurate, right? But when you look into one more step, the live, what's really taking place, there's just less homes for sale. So again, when we go back, um, and one of the ways that we measure this, or and there's multiple metrics, but when you look at months of supply of inventory, meaning if nothing else came onto the market and we kept selling at the same pace, uh, again, we're at one month. So what it means is uh, other terms like velocity, how fast is the market moving? We're moving almost as fast, if not faster, than a year ago. A year ago was 0.8 months of inventory, we're at one. That's not a big difference. It's much closer to that average price you were t- or medium price you were talking about. What it means, there's just not as many homes for sale. So there are buyers out there. There's demand, there's just not supply. Yep, and even though we like to talk about local, Fresno and Clovis fit into the national trend as well as the state trend. Not enough homes are being built. So because of that, there's, a, there's multiple reasons, but one of the biggest reasons that we're behind or, or there's less inventory out on the market, less homes have been built. The rough estimate from the California Association of Realtors is we need to build 4 million homes a year for like forever to get caught up. And we're not even, we're close to building that many homes. Yeah, I don't even think we're at a million. No, yeah. and that's for the whole state, not even just our area. And as you and I both know, a lot of people are looking at Fresno, Clovis, to Central Valley differently than, than they did 15 years ago. It's, it's attractive for price, it's attractive for amenities. People have realized that little secret that we have is that, hey, we might be the butt of jokes on TV, but it's a really great place to live. And people are recognizing that and they're coming in in a way that they haven't in the past. About 15 years ago, I was given a community tour to a relocating doctor from New York City. And as they were, as we were driving around, he goes, okay, now tell me the truth. He said, my friends in New York City are saying, why would you want to move to the armpit of America? Why would you even consider that? All right, fast forward, they're still here. Yep. Yeah, they loved it here. Love it here. They do, and and that's that thing that, um, you know, for good or for worse, Fresno's not embraced how great it is, or or the region, when I say Fresno, I'm talking about Clovis as well. Uh, We allow ourselves to be the butt of jokes, but it's a it's a fantastic place i mean we're not just the gateway to the sierras we have one of the best school districts in the entire country let alone the state within clovis unified you've got bullard high school in fresno it's amazing central you're like there are some great things for kids in this area uh most people that i know want a little bit of a backyard meaning just a place to go outside where 
I can be with somebody and do, and they don't want to have to pay $10 million for it. It's affordable. People like it. it. It's prices have gone up and it's been a little bit harder, but not for other people from outside of the state or other regions. Again, they're, they're flocking to our area because they get everything they want. They're, they're able to turn a house into a home. And that's something that's amazing. All right. When we get back from this next commercial break, I want to talk about a little niche market that you have some information on. Sure. And that is mountain properties with Airbnbs in yeah. there. We'll talk about both of those things. Okay. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. Back. Welcome home radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and we have Kyle Cheney in here, manager of the Shaver, the Prather, and the Clovis offices of Guarantee Real Estate. Yes. All right. That keeps you busy. It and, sure does. But it also gives you some a lot of experience up in the mountain communities. Yes. Let's talk about those mountain communities. Are they the same as Fresno Clovis, like we've been talking about earlier in the show? And then also Airbnbs, which seems to be a new yeah, a new thing. thing. Uh, yeah. yeah, a new thing. Well, it's interesting. Um, I would say Prather, which is kind of our foothill communities, right? Um, you know, Oakhurst and Corsco may have filmed with that as well. They're, they're close <clears throat> enough and... Um, that they have a little Fresno Clovis. That what the market's doing has a little more influence on that, right? One of the issues, really, that we we start dealing with when we start getting into the, our mountain communities or our foothill communities, is fire insurance. Um, that is a, a big deal, just because of the lot, you know, the proclivity for uh, fires. Fires insurance is a little bit higher. But when we get into Shaver, Shaver's an interesting. You know, like you were talking about, everything is local. What by by the crow flies, we're 35, 40 miles away. And it's a much different market up there. It is primarily a buyer's market because of what's inventory, price points, driven by, a, to your point, a different product. It's typically a second home or an investment property, whether it's a second home for personal use or an investment property like Airbnb, short-term rentals. It's a different market. All right. So um, numbers-wise, uh, um, you're talking about how it's a buyer's market as opposed to a seller's market here. What What's the month's supply of inventory up there compared to here? So, great question. So, now, granted, we had a lot of snow this year, right? So, in December, based off of what was on the market and how things were selling, we had a 28-month supply of inventory. Wow. You know, over two years. That's crazy, right? We're down to 9.3, but 9.3 months, um, we, there's still a lot of snow, but this is kind of that peak time. I expect there to be some more listings come to the market because this is there's a window of time frame where most sales typically take place. So that number still may come down, but I still believe it's going to hover in neutral, which would be that four and a half, five months to six months to six months plus of a buyer's market. 28 months. Uh, you just startled me with yeah. that one. <laughs> <laughs> so but but then I started thinking, well, wait a minute, we've had the fires, the snow. The, uh, just the, the rain right before where a lot of those roads and there was some road like there the our mountain communities the people that live there have had a lot to deal with the people that we work with our colleagues that primarily work there they've had a really tough time this is the state may be benefiting from this water but for them in particular it's been a real tough go wow all right 
So um, are prices a lot higher up in the resort areas? So the median sales price right now is $828,000, which so is- that is a lot higher. It's a lot higher. And it's 1.1% more than it was in March of 2022 when it was 819. So that market, like we said, it's a different market. Again, how local you are, what's taking place, it's important that either you as the buyer or seller understand that or have somebody that can advise you on these types of situations and what it means for your, uh, whatever the potential buyer or seller is. So it's a much different market. Hmm. Interesting. Now, I hear that there's people that want to buy Airbnbs. Yeah. Uh, and of course, a resort place like that might seem like a, a good place. You know, there, there. To my understanding, when I'm talking with my agents, people are looking at that. Even some of our people that live up there have two homes and they're doing Airbnb. There are some things to be aware about with Airbnbs, and let's put it a different way: short-term rentals, which is 30 days or less, and how that works. Um, there are certain restrictions through CCNRs and HOAs, and there are a lot of homeowners associations and shaver that. Um, a buyer needs to be really, really aware of so that they don't make a mistake that they didn't realize they were making. Meaning, I'm gonna buy this property, I'm gonna rent it out, because I saw something online where I can make $10,000 a month and then realize they can't rent the property that way. Um, there are some restrictions. With that though, uh, it's really a balanced time. You need to, in my opinion, if you're doing it for short-term rentals, you need to be in a position to weather some certain markets or conditions where there's a lot of snow like we had so that you're not wondering, what did I get myself into? All right. Um, do you think, and this is a tough question. Sure. Do you think Airbnbs are a trendy thing that might fade away in the next few years? You know, I really don't know. Um, it's at the scale of the, how big it is across the country, the, the world for that matter, it's new for real estate like this, having this many, um, uh, you know, the old term mom and pop people doing this. Maybe big companies did it and it was okay, but now it's, it's you know, there's a lot of people. So I'm not sure if it's a, a fad or not, but I would get into, again, what I was mentioning before. If you understand, quote unquote, the economics of how this works, you might be able to really make a good decision because the, the stats that we look at and the things that you can pull from, sometimes there's a lot more profitability in that. The interesting part is there are a lot of municipalities that aren't so sure that they like this because they're not sure the effect it has on long-term housing, meaning homes that would have gone to a renter that um, lives in the area, they can't find it, or they're not really sure is it putting upward um, pressure on rentals. There's a whole bunch of information and studies going out there and um, some of them are completed, some of them aren't. So I think fundamentally from a business perspective, yeah, it'll last, but it may not be what we see it today because of what it does or doesn't do to a community and what cities will do and don't want to do. So, and I see the city saying, hey, wait a minute. The alternative is that, that, uh, re that short-term resident goes into a hotel where they can be paying hotel tax to the city. Right. I see that. But I also see supply and demand as driving this. So if before you get into an Airbnb, take a look at the, you know, right now there's a high supply, uh, mm -hmm. or, or excuse me, a high demand because you uh, we have a lot of traveling nurses right mm -hmm. now that may become permanent residents here someday. Absolutely. 
And it's interesting. One of the things that, that I also see is that there is a, there's becoming more supply of um, short-term rentals, Airbnbs, and less supply for long-term rentals, which may put some pressure on that nightly rental rate to come down, which makes it maybe a little more beneficial for a property owner to then say, hey, let's make this a long-term rental. I, again, it's so new, in my opinion, you know, the last, say, five or six years that this has become really prevalent, that to really say this is how it works or what will work, you know, this is what it did the last cycle, it's new. So it's, uh, but I think it's here to stay, but maybe it'll, it's going to morph, it's going to change. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so from a management standpoint, standpoint yeah. that you have um, managing the mountain communities there the offices do you get into do, do your realtors have much of a problem as far as the management of these airbnbs no so a lot of our um, clients um, or our agents i should say after the transact they're friends they help the people but they're not necessarily managing those properties so it really turns into as a owner do you know how to do it are you do you know, do you have a cleaner? Do you have this? Do you have these things set up? They do. I will say this, what I have learned um, through the Airbnb process and that you're, you just close escrow, you're going to rent it out there. Your first two or three rentals or guests, it is vital that you perform to the best level because if they give you a two-star rating, what do most of us do when we're looking? Oh, that place is a two-star. They put it to the side and you don't have enough uh, reviews to make up the difference to bring that average like we were talking like with home prices up to a three and a half or a four your first three or four better be five-star experiences for your clients and if you're living in you know Columbia doing this you may not know if you're really pulling it off well so uh, I would my advice is if you don't know what you're doing you're just kind of dipping your toe in it that Airbnb should probably be as close to you as possible so that you can make sure that you're making a good business decision all right um, I, what do you want our, our listeners to remember most about today's show? And we've talked about a lot, Airbnbs, yeah. mountain properties. We've talked Fresno Clovis statistics. What do you think is most important for them to, to focus on? You know, you, you kind of opened up the show perfectly that what matters within real estate, we, we, what's, what's that thing? Location, location, location. It depends on where you're at. Because across the country or across the state, things are different. We just hit on the very end. Only 50 miles away, which we would still consider Shaver. Hey, that's part of our little area. It's part of Fresno County. The market's drastically different than, quote, unquote, the valley floor. Us little flatlanders here running around. The market's different. So understanding that, having a trusted advisor mm -hmm. that can guide you through this, those are the keys that I would say y you just have to know because most people want a home not a house they they see the house they turn it into a home they raise their families they enjoy the retirement it's i would say those are the things making sure that you know what's going on in your local market so speaking of local market let's take fresno clovis where do you see our market being in september of 2023 i see us uh very similar to where we are today on this trend of We'll have less home sales, but not because homes aren't selling because there's just not enough for sale. Again, we, we've got some sellers that are just choosing to stay for hosts of different reasons, but the demand, the buyers, the people that want a home in our area, 
they're there, they're in focus. And I think our median sales price, do I think we're gonna have a 25% or 15% increase like we saw through those years of COVID? No. Do I think we're gonna say neutral to three or 4% appreciation? Absolutely. All right, and I would like to end our show with my best advice. Tune in to Welcome Home Radio every Saturday from 9 to 10 because we get characters like Kyle Cheney on the show to help us out and, and give us lots of good information, local information. Local information. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you, Kyle. Thank you to all our listeners, and we will be back again next Saturday, 9 to 10. Thank you. Thank you.